Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. I want to reiterate uh, the importance of prayer. We begin the year with a time of prayer and fasting, and I want to encourage you this week uh, just to set some time aside. and uh, Come on, let's join together uh, with one voice. Um, There's a scripture in Acts that says, you know, after they prayed, uh, the place was filled with the Holy Spirit after they prayed. Not before they prayed. Uh, Because they prayed, something happened. And, uh, you know, in many ways, prayer is a mystery. But you know what? Uh, We know that it works. We know that when we begin to pray, uh, coincidences happen. Um, And so I want to encourage you to get involved and uh, let's let's make this week a week of prayer. Um, Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15 says, Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15 says, So the war was completed on the... A 25th of Elal in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their confidence because they realised that this work had been done with the help of our God. When all the surrounding nations heard about this, they lost their self-confidence. We can either have self-confidence or God-confidence. They lost their self-confidence because they realised that this work had been done with the help of of our God. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every time we open your word, uh, it speaks to the depth of our hearts and our spirit and has the capacity to transform us in a powerful way. I pray this word would come alive in our hearts. It would become a revelation. Lord, we, we don't just need more information. We thank God that we live in an era where we have so much, Lord, but, but we need the revelation of God's word that impacts how we live every single day of our lives. So this is our prayer, Lord God, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, I want to begin a series this week entitled uh, Building a Blessed Life. Building a Blessed Life. Um, Something about starting a new year uh, that always brings hope. It feels like it's the right time to reflect, a time to review, a time to look back, to look forward. Uh, time to make some decisions uh, that could change or impact our lives. It's a good time to review the beginning of the year. There's always the sense in the new year that this could be the year. Uh, this could be the year where something changes. This could be the year where things are different, uh, the beginning of, of the new year. There might be some of you could, uh, who would like to get closer to God, um, Get some balance back in your life. 2023 was very unbalanced. Uh, Or quit some habit, exercise more, that's always on the list. Uh, Eat better, Uh, spend more time with your children perhaps. My prayer is that this would be the year where you would experience the blessed life. My, My prayer for you and me is that you would be blessed, that this year we would experience a greater portion of the blessed life. When you think about a blessed life, I wonder what kind of image comes to your mind. When I, when, when, when I, when I, when I speak about a blessed life or experiencing the blessed life, I wonder what kind of image comes into your mind. What kind of picture do you get of what a, what a blessed life might look like? 
Psalm 112 actually gives us a description of what a blessed life looks like. Let me read it to you. The psalm says, praise the Lord. It's always a good way to start. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. There it starts. Blessed are those. Blessed is the person. Fears the Lord, finds great delight in His commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. Then it goes on to describe what the blessed person looks like. Um, Generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses. How many people say amen to that? Uh, Their righteousness endures forever, even in darkness. Light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They shall be remembered forever. Forever. That's an interesting scripture. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. What a wonderful description of the blessed life. The children will be blessed. Wealth and riches. Good are going to come to them. It's part of the description. They're going to have victory over their enemies. And notice, notice this one thing though, because I don't know about you, but if I, if I think about a blessed life, one of the things that comes to my mind is a life with no problems, no challenges. Can I hear an amen? Come on. I, I, I would say a blessed life would be a life with no challenges, no stress, no difficulties. But it doesn't say that in, in this particular Psalm. It doesn't say they won't have tough times, but even in the darkness, light will dawn. For the person who is blessed by God, even when they go through difficult times, the light is going to start to dawn. They're not going to fear bad news. They're not going to be shaken. They will remain secure. They will triumph over their enemies, says says the Word of God. Well, in order to triumph over your enemies, you're going to have to have a few. But they're not daunted. The blessed person isn't daunted by difficult situations because they have a strong faith in God. How many people would say that would, that would be great? Especially the wealth and riches part. That's the part I want. See, for many of us, our life feels anything but blessed. Our lives are dominated by persistent challenges, issues of the past, memories that won't go away, habits we can't control, conflict we can't manage. Our life is the opposite of blessed. And some of us have settled for the belief that this is our lot in life and this is as good as it gets. My only problem is, as I read the Scriptures, I I just see that God promises the blessed life. And I could give you a few of those Scriptures, but let me just give you one. Jabez prayed, oh, that you would bless me. And the Bible says, and God answered his prayer. And if God answered that prayer for him, I'm sure God can also answer that prayer for us. The blessed life begins by an understanding that we could experience the blessed life in our lives. I can be blessed. People say, oh, he can be blessed. Pastor Joe, you can be blessed. The other person can be blessed. Everybody else can be blessed but me. No. The blessed life begins by understanding that we all can be blessed. And it starts by, we talked about the conf, confessing the promises of God. Your promises, Lord God. We sang about it this morning. And, and the blessed life begins by saying, Lord, I just thank you that I'm blessed in Christ. That through Jesus Christ, I can be blessed in the name of Jesus. We'll talk about that some other time. Question for us is, well, how can we be blessed? How can we experience the blessed life? Well, to help us understand this, we're going to look at the story of Nehemiah. And I pray that God speaks to us through this. Just to give you a bit of background to the story in Nehemiah, Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 BC by the Babylonians. And after some time, uh, 70 years, the exiles are allowed to go back home. First thing they did is they restored the temple. It's the first thing they did. First thing the exiles did when they returned to Jerusalem is they restored 
the temple. We read about that in Ezra and Zechariah. Um, and the reason why they did that was because worship could be reestablished. If we're going to experience the blessed life, it begins by giving our life to Jesus Christ. Where, where, does, where does the blessed life begin? It begins by giving our life to Jesus Christ. By worshipping God, by fearing God, by obeying God. Praise the Lord, says Psalm 112. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It's with awe-inspiring reverence and worship of God. Where does the blessed life begin? It begins by fearing God and obeying His commands. As I looked at that scripture, I just thought, man, I've heard this before. Where have I, where have I read this before? Um, it's, it's found throughout the scriptures again and again. Go to the Old Testament, New Testament. You find this again and again. The fear of the Lord and the obeying His command. Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes. Bit of a depressing book. Wouldn't recommend you read it if, uh, uh, if, uh, if you're not feeling the best. But Solomon has this mission in life to find joy and happiness and blessing. It's got, it's got I'm going to find it somehow. And he tries in everything he possibly can. He has wealth and he buys everything he can. Doesn't find it there. Humour, laughter, alcohol, um, uh, uh, um, women. You know, he's got a thousand wives. God bless him. A thousand, you know. I mean, and he's got to be, surely I'm going to find it. No, nah, doesn't find it any. And it's this thesis of life as he goes, I'm going to find it here. It's, it's like the world today. You know, we're all chasing this carrot that we think, man, if I just, just one more year, this could be the year where I finally grab the carrot and we keep chasing this thing that we think is going to make us happy. Solomon's been there, done that and got the T-shirt. And at the end of it, you know what he says? Here's, here's my summary of life. You want to be blessed? You want to, you want to experience the blessing of God? Here it is. Here it is. You ready for it? This is from someone, been there, done that. We're still aspiring for that car for that house where it's still we're still aspiring Solomon been there done that and here's the summary of it just two things number one fear God <laughs> number two obey his commands there's the there's the sum total of it you want to experience the blessed life fear God let's not be scared of God it's reverence God it's 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 respect God he is God and you are not and I am not it's fear God and obey His commands. That sounds, oh, commands. Obey His principles because the Word of God is a, a manual for life. And that's where it all begins. I don't want to go there. I want to keep going. Um, temple in Jerusalem was rebuilt, but the city was in disarray. Walls were broken. There were no gates. The enemy could come in freely. There was no resistance. There was no control. And as a result, Jerusalem was really vulnerable. Everybody say hello to the whiteboard. My favourite way to teach is with a whiteboard and maybe going to do it more often. Um, so he, here it is. Let me show you the picture uh, of what this is. Back in the Old Testament times, walls around a city were really important. Um, and, uh, uh, and so, um, and they were important for two reasons. First reason why they were important was because if the walls weren't strong, um, an enemy could just come in. The, the walls allowed for two things. Number one, they allowed protection from external enemies. And number two, they allowed what was in the walls to flourish because they were in peace. And so he, here we have the situation. So we have, we, have the, we have the walls around Jerusalem. Everybody say, you're an amazing drawer. I think you got a gift there. 
<laughs> Relax. Um, first thing, when they returned, the first thing they did was rebuild the temple. That was the first thing they did. They reestablished the temple. You read about that in Ezra. You read about that in, in, in Zechariah. It's not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Temple was rebuilt. But then the walls were in disarray. The walls of the city were in, were, were the surrounding were disarray. There were gaps. The gate, there were no gates. And that, and, that, and that meant two things. It meant the enemy could come in anytime they wanted to. They could easily just come in and be able to take the city. And what it also meant was that whatever was in the city was unable to flourish. After we give our life to Jesus, after we allow Jesus to be the Lord and Saviour of our lives, listen, listen, listen what, what, because, because this is kind of a picture of, of, of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. You see, for us, this could be just a story. The story in Nehemiah could be just a story about, oh, well, the rebuilding of, a set, of, of, of some walls. But actually, there's a, there's a bigger message here. And I pray over the next couple of weeks, we're going to understand what the bigger message is. And I pray that it's actually going to speak to us because this wasn't so much about rebuilding a wall. It speaks to us about rebuilding a life. How does God rebuild a life? And the way that God rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem speaks to us about how God rebuilds our lives. How does He do it? He starts, first of all, by establishing worship. It begins by giving our life to Jesus Christ. It begins by surrendering our life to Jesus, inviting Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our lives. But after we give our lives to Jesus, after we allow Jesus to be the Lord and Saviour of our lives, God's going to send the Holy Spirit to do what? To start to rebuild the walls of our soul. There are two reasons why this is important. Because it'll protect us from attacks of the enemy and it'll help us to flourish. See, for many of us, we can be forgiven but not whole. We can come to Christ and there's evidence in our life that change has taken. We love God. We love His presence. But somehow we're still plagued by issues. Somehow the enemy can still come in at any time. Somehow we can, we can still fall prey to the attacks of the enemy. There are breakages in the wall that make us vulnerable to work to the attacks of the enemy. Now, how does this wall get broken? How do the wall of our soul get broken? Soul can be damaged by all kinds of things, our upbringing, one-off events, brokenness of the past, bad choices, consequences of sin, and on and on it goes. The walls of our soul have been damaged. And there's no gates. We're vulnerable to attack. So God sends Nehemiah. God sends Nehemiah, whose, whose name actually means comforter, a type of the Holy Spirit, to restore the walls. Now, as I said, we're going to talk about this a little bit in the next couple of weeks, because actually this speaks about, you know, we believe that we are tripartite beings. I'm going to draw it up here. We believe that we are tripartite beings. That means that we are body, soul, and spirit. And um, the temple, that speaks about the spirit. And when we give our life to Jesus, we are born again at the deepest part. The walls speak about our soul. And then after we give our life to Jesus Christ, God sends the Holy Spirit to begin to form Christ in us. We're going to look at this in the next few weeks. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But the soul speaks about the mind, the emotions, and the will. And God begins to restore that in our lives. 
So, um, I want you to notice how Nehemiah repairs and restores the walls of Jerusalem. I want you to notice the process. It's important because it gives some insight into the process that God uses to actually restore our soul um, so that we can have a blessed life. And by the way, the same principles here apply not only to having a blessed life, but also applies to having a blessed marriage, a blessed family, and even a blessed business in some way. So uh, are you with me this morning? It's all right, a bit of teaching. I know I'm going, I'm just trying to set a foundation for what I'm doing here because it's actually very profound. And if we could just get a hold of this and, and, and kind of get a hold of it, it's actually, uh, it can really transform our lives because that's what I believe God wants us to do. So um, in terms of how God restores the walls here, notice um, God doesn't just wave his magic wand and everything's fine. It's a process we need to go through and often it's the process that produces the blessed life. So right from the outset, I want us to understand that God actually called Nehemiah, that Nehemiah was actually called by God to restore those walls. He didn't think one night, ah, let me go and restore those walls. No, it was God's will for his life. It was, it was the will of God. It was the favour of God was on him to do it. He was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. But I want you to notice the process God uses to restore the walls of Jerusalem because each chapter in Nehemiah gives us some insight about how we can experience the blessed life. It's the process God uses to restore our soul so that we can experience the blessed life. You with me? So let's, let's look for each of the chapters because each of the chapters gives us a key. First chapter is Nehemiah prays. Nehemiah prays. You can write that down in your notes. He prays, he fasts. He's moved to seek God. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and farted and prayed. If we want to experience the blessed life, we need to pray and seek God. It begins by crying out to God, by seeking the face of God. Prayer is not about us changing the mind of God. Prayer is about us aligning ourselves with the will of God for our lives. It's a recognition that unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. If we're going to experience a blessed life, it's by the grace of God and for the glory of God. We pray and fast because it's a recognition, it's an understanding that says, God, God, if, if my life is changed, if my life is different, if I, if I experience your grace, it's, it's only by your grace. And so we pray and fast and we seek God. It's what Nehemiah did first off. Second thing Nehemiah does is he surveys the walls. That's chapter two. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I sent out during the night a few others and I not told anyone what God had placed in my heart to do for Jerusalem. And so by night he goes out and he surveys the walls. It's interesting. Before any building work begins, he surveys the strengths of the wall, the weaknesses of the wall. He defines the problem. He comes up with a plan. If we want to live the kind of life that honours God, there's a part that we play in this process. A blessed life doesn't just happen. A blessed business, a blessed family, a blessed marriage doesn't just happen. We need to be intentional, proactive, purposeful. And there needs to be some kind of an assessment, review, define the strengths, look at the weaknesses, see what needs to be done. Proverbs says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. I wonder how many of you have got flocks and herds here today. Not too many people with flocks and herds might have a cat or a dog. Uh, God bless you if you have a cat. We'll pray for you. Um, 
But it, what, what's the Scripture? It's not talking about herds and it's not talking about flocks. What it's actually talking, it says, be sure you know the condition of your life. Be, know, be sure you know the condition of, of, of where you're at. Bible goes on to say in Lamentation, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return. Let us examine our... Uh, Plato, I think it was, says the unexamined life is not worth living. We, 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 need, uh, we need to examine ourselves. Haggai says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought. Think about how you live. Think about what's happening in your life. Think about the attitudes in your heart. Think about what's happening inside of you. Paul says to the Corinthians, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, test yourself. What does Nehemiah do? Number one, he prays and fasts and cries out to God, Lord, do something. Number two, he examines the condition of the walls. If we're gonna experience the blessed life, there needs to be some self-examination. Is that okay? Now we're really good at examining other people's lives. If you need your life examined, come and see me. I'm pretty good at it. But I'm not really good at examining my own life. But we need to do it. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. See if there's something in me that isn't quite right, because I want to know what it is, Lord God. I discovered many, many years ago that I didn't have it all together. I know you knew that already from a long time. But I discovered, I had the revelation. And so I'm saying, God, examine, examine yourself. Nehemiah, blessed by God, anointed by God. It's the will of God. He does an examination of the walls. Number three, Nehemiah organises the people. He's prayed, he's surveyed, he develops a plan. You can read about this. Nehemiah chapter three, verse one, he starts to assign the families. He assigns tasks, he assigns families. You build the gates, you build the walls. I love that because the work isn't random. It's not disorganised. Hey, let's see how we go. Gosh, shall we, shall we build? Yeah, don't worry, let's get together. No, there's intentionality. There's, hey, you know what? There's a gap right here. We need to fix that. Right, who's going to fix that gate? Right, you're going to fix that gate? All right, no worries. You guys do this, you guys do that, you guys do that. So many of us think that the blessed life is just going to happen. That God is just going to go, ooh, we wave his magic wand and it's all beautiful. It's not the way it works because so often the blessed life is experienced in the process of becoming like Jesus. So many of us look at people and we think, oh, they're lucky. Everything goes well for them. Now we're born in the right family. What we don't see is the hard work they've done to get to where they are. Craig Groeschel says it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. That's chapter three. Chapter one, he's prayed, he's, he's examined, and now he's got a strategy and a plan. Number four, chapter four. The next thing that we see in chapter four is that Nehemiah is faced with opposition. Chapter four, opposition. The Bible says, now when Sambalat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews and he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones uh, out of these heaps of rubbish and so on? But we prayed to God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Verse 10, meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of the labourers is giving out and so much rubble, we can't rebuild the wall. 
Notice what's happening here. Here was Nehemiah, called by God, and yet he's facing opposition. Workers are getting tired, there's rubble, and every feel, everything feels like it's just too hard. You can experience the blessed life. We need to know that we will experience opposition. The enemy's going to come against us. You think you're going to, you think you can build a blessed life? You've got to be joking. What do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? And not only will we experience opposition, there are times where we're just going to feel tired. Anybody ever experienced spiritual tiredness? Weariness. It's too much. It's too difficult. Uh, problems are getting worse. Just feel like giving up. Notice what Nehemiah does. He gathers the people together and he says, guys, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters. Nehemiah encourages the people. There's a scripture uh, about David that says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord his God at a time where he could find no encouragement around him. It was all looking bad. It was all looking like doom and gloom. David begins to encourage himself in the Lord his God. And there are times where we need to do the same. Chapter five, there were internal problems. Now the people were fighting against each other. Families were fighting against families. The rich against the poor. Um, and the people were complaining. In our quest to build a blessed life, we need to expect challenges from the outside, the enemy, and we also need to expect challenges from the inside. Challenges from within can represent all kinds of things, stress, fear, fatigue. And again, we can just abandon ship and say it's too hard. We can abandon ship and say, Nehemiah could have said, well, oh, forget this, what a joke. I'm going back to Babylon, mate, where he was the cupbearer to the king. And that, by the way, was a very high position. Uh, in What am I doing out here? All these whinging, whining, complaining. Instead, what does he do? He encourages the people. Hebrews says this, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. Hang in there. That's chapter five. Chapter six, further opposition. Seriously. We dealt with this in chapter four. Chapter six, we got more opposition. Sambalat and Geshem sent this message, come, let us meet together in one of the villages of the plain of Ono, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messages back to them. I'm carrying on a great preach. I cannot come down to you. If the enemy doesn't get you one way, he's going to get you another way. He's going to come at you at another angle. He's going to appear to be a friend. He's going to say, come down and let's talk. The enemy always wants to bring us down to his level. Nehemiah says, I'm carrying on a great work and cannot come down to you. They're all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands are going to get weak. But I prayed, but I prayed. Now strengthen our hands. There were people opposing from the outside, people opposing from the inside. So Nehemiah continues to motivate. And at the end of chapter six, the war was completed. And when all the enemies heard about this, they knew that this had been done with the help of our God. Chapter 7, 13, it's even, it's great. There's a revival now. They've, they've rebuilt the physical walls. Now they start to rebuild. Nehemiah starts to rebuild the spiritual walls in the nation of Israel. Here's the interesting part for me. 
He was Nehemiah that was called by God. He was anointed by God. This was the will of God. It was the will of God. He was in the will of God uh, going to rebuild those walls. There was no question. But notice all the things he needed to do to restore the walls of Jerusalem. He had to pray and fast to find the problem, set up a strategy, deal with opposition, deal with internal issues, weariness and rubble, uh, deal with further opposition, motivate the peer people, persevere and see the project to the end. And as I thought about it, it made me think. We want to build a blessed life. What we want, what we want in the blessed life, what we would really like is for God to just go, ta-da, blessed life. If we want to build a blessed life, build a strong life spiritually, be used by God, experience the favour of God, repair the gaps in our lives, our mind, our emotions. How many people know that there can be gaps in our thinking? We're going to talk about that next week. We talk about what some of these gaps represent. How do, we, how, do we, how do we close some of these gaps in our life? How do we close some of these gaps? There could be gaps. We want to build a blessed marriage, a blessed family, blessed, blessed business, whatever it is. What we need to do is the very things Nehemiah did. We need to pray fast, examine ourselves, define, define where we're at. See the gaps in our life. Come up with a strategy. Deal with opposition, internal, external. Deal with discouragement. Deal with weariness. I'm tired. Just tired. Just can't keep going. Endure, persevere. Read the Bible, confess and worship. Remember, it's not by might, it's not by power. By my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I don't know about you, but that was a revelation to me. Because I, I kind of unconsciously in myself, in myself, I think if I give my life to Jesus, it's going to be easy. Because I think sometimes in my life, if I, if I serve the purposes of God, it's going to be easy. But Nehemiah reminds us, here's the process. We're going to work through that process. In the, because so often the blessed life is not built at the end. It's in the process that the blessed life is developed and built. So how does that process begin? It begins by praying and fasting, seeking God, and then we need to survey the walls of our lives to see where the gaps are. So I want to get practical here because we talk a lot of theory and we can go away here today and go, hmm, not bad, doesn't draw very well. kind of followed him. I might have to listen to the sermon again. Just follow exactly what he's saying. But what I really want to challenge you to do at the beginning of this year is to do a stock take. Time out. There it is. Taking a list from um, Pastor Chris Hodges, great pastor that God's using in a powerful way, who goes through this process at the beginning of every year. He assesses himself on 12 areas in his life. So all you need to do is on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, I've written this up in your notes so you can actually do it. One being needs some work, 10 is amazing. 
right where you feel you are in your life. It's like a dashboard of life. So he, he talks about it as a dashboard for life. You know, in your car, you've got dashboard, you've got the oil, you've got the, you've got the temperature, you've got a whole bunch of things flashing. So you could just see exactly where the car is. Where this, he uses that kind of a, an example. There's, a, there's 12 gauges for life here. How are we going on these 12 different things? And so he says, kind of rate yourself. Number one, on your faith life. How's your faith life doing? Is it a one? Needs a bit of work. Ten? No, it's doing quite strong. Marriage? How's your marriage or relationships? Is it a two? Is it, a, is it an eight? How's your family life? Work life? Your digital life, as in gadgets? Ladies. <laughs> a digital life, how's that going? Does it need a bit of work? Am I spending too time, too much time on, on, on this gadget that is that is that has captured my mind? Ministry life, financial life, social life, attitude. What's what's how, what's happening in my attitude? Have some attitudes crept into my spirit? An attitude of complaining and a negative attitude. You know, and it happens to all of us. Sometimes, sometimes a, an, an attitude can, a negative attitude can creep into our spirit where everything's negative. The government is rubbish. Stuff is happening around the world is terrible. Taxes. It's raining in summer. I mean, <laughs> can't even get summer right. You know what I mean? Some people are, praise the Lord, it's raining. Other people, ah, it's raining in summer. We, we can have this negative, come on, how many people know what I'm talking about? This negative attitude creeps into our spirit where it starts to dominate everything that we, ah, work Monday again, you know. They're not the kind of people you want to hang out with, are they? You don't want to have a cup of coffee with them. We need to examine ourselves. How's my attitude? Or do I have an attitude of faith? God is going to see me through. Things aren't great right now. God is going to see me through. I know there's a miracle just around the corner. I know that God is going to make a way with it. Light is going to start to dawn in the name of Jesus. I'm trusting that God is going to see me through. Do we need to do something about our attitude? Our creative life. It's about dreaming. I mean, I'm not creative. No, it's about dreaming. The closer you get to God, the more creative you're going to be. Is God speaking to you about stuff He wants to do in your life? When's the last time you heard God speak to you? Hmm. He always speaks to me about other people. <laughs> That's a sure sign. Something's not right. What about your mental life? Your thinking. How's your thinking? How's your physical life? Put that one right last because you do with the rest first. We'll worry about the physical later. How's things doing with the body? We are body, soul, and spirit. And we kind of treat them as three. What time is it? 11.20. It, it, we try and treat them as three separate things. I'm going to talk about that a little bit next week. But they're actually one. We are one. We are body, soul, and spirit. Whatever happens in the soul affects the body and the spirit. Whatever happens in the spirit affects your soul and your body. And many people know not every migraine headache has got something to do with the brain. Sometimes the migraine headache is because there's something wrong with the soul. There's some gaps here in, in, in our mind where, and, and we're stressed about something. We're afraid. It, it, we, it's, it's coming on us and the result is it affects the body and can affect our spirit. As Christians, we, we're, we're spiritual. We take care of the spirit. We don't worry about the body. 
Well, that's a big mistake because the Bible says the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Without the body, your spirit's going to do nothing. <laughs> healthy body is a healthy mind, is a healthy spirit in Jesus' name. I need to re-listen to this sermon, maybe make a few notes for myself about this. <laughs> Very hard to do after this Christmas season. So I want you to do a stock take. Once you've done that, answer one question. One question. What one thing, if it changed in your life, would make the greatest difference in your life? What one thing, if it changed in your life, would make the greatest difference in your life? Have a look through the list and see if anything stands out for you. And if you, if you, if you on one of those things is a two and a three, you've got a few options. Number one, screw up the piece of paper, put it in the bin. Out of sight, out of mind. Oh, I'm believing for the blessed life, praying for a blessed life. You've got a two on this particular area. Nehemiah examined, and Nehemiah strategized on how to work with that. And, the, and, and, and here's the thing. It's, it's not something we do on our own. We don't, we, don't, we don't do this with our strength. It's not by might, not by power. By my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. We have Nehemiah, the Holy Spirit, who's, who has the authority and the resources to restore the walls. The king said, you go, I'm going to give you authority and I'm going to give you the resources. The Holy Spirit gives us the authority and the resources to restore our mind, to restore our emotions, to restore our will by His grace and for His glory. So many of us want the blessed life. A few of us are willing to do, to the work, to do the work required to build. And the good news, we build with the Spirit. I love this scripture. It says, Now to him is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now to him was able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or even imagine or even ever dream for your life. According to his power that is at work within you. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's as we partner with God that we experience the blessed life. We're going to break bread together. Uh, and as we break bread together, it's a reminder to draw on the power of Christ. The Bible says that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me. And it's His power that can help us to live the kind of life that, we, that God wants us to have, the blessed life. So we're going to stand together. We're going to ask the worship team to lead us in a song. And we're going to distribute the cup and, uh, and, and the bread. I want you to hold them in your hands. And in just a moment, we're going to break bread together. God is good. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. My prayer is that the blessed life isn't just going to be theory, but it's going to become reality by His grace and for His glory. And I pray uh, this week, come on, let's dive into prayer and fasting. and Let's really connect with God uh, in a powerful way. It's where it began. It's where it began for Nehemiah. Let it begin with us because I'm praying that God is going to do some amazing things amongst us. God bless you. We'll see you back on Tuesday night and Wednesday and Thursday in Jesus' name. God bless you.